We sometimes blow through excuses as quickly as we blow through tissues during the cold season. Well, today we are going to talk about those three excuses we keep using over and over again, really based out of nothing other than fear. So let's get carried away. All right, I'm getting carried away today with a really, really cool topic. It's called three excuses we tell ourselves that get in the way of our success. I can't believe there's only three, but what can you do? Um, Welcome, Esther. Please introduce yourself. Tell us about you and what you do. Sure. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much, Carrie, for having me on. Uh, my name is Esther Kishpatalnik, Esquire. I always like to include the Esquire on the end of my name. You earned it. it. <laughs> I earned it. Um, and I like to call myself a recovering attorney turned life coach. Um, so that's a little bit about my past, a little bit about my future, my present. And I really focus on I live my motto, change your thoughts, change your life. That is the type of coaching that I do. It's what I practice in my own life. Um, And whenever I work with any client, whether we are working to get to the next level of their success, whether we're looking to change their relationships, anything at all, we start by changing their thoughts, recognizing thoughts, then changing them. And then for sure. Yeah, I love that. Um, But I'm sure if I were to ask 10 year old Esther, Hey girl, what do you want to be when you grow up? Would you say a coach? Uh, no, and I'm sure you get this all the time. No, I actually, when I was little, I said I wanted to be a doctor and an author. And technically I've done, I've achieved both. Because this is the joke <laughs> I would say. It's so lame. Everyone is sick of hearing it, but I say technically I'm a doctor of juris. <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Yeah. And then technically I'm an author. I do have blog blogs posted, you know, published. You're writing. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Honey, turn those blogs into a book and then you can be you can, a literary author. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to tell you about another book that I do. What's funny is back in my youth, uh, you know, in my twenties, I lived in Manhattan and I was single and I had a blast and I did this. Actually, a friend of mine gave me the idea, but I did this thing where I had to say yes to every date I was asked on within reason, of course, like me, but every date I got asked on, uh, two drink minimum, three drink minimum, I don't know, maybe three drink maximum, sorry, maximum. Gotcha. And I, and then I blogged about it and, uh, and it was called the, I'm sure you can Google it now, but it's called the uncanny adventures of queen Esther. So I love it. Uh, So that's kind of, there's your book. There it is. (laughs) I love that. That's really brilliant though, actually to say yes. Um, and is that how you met your husband out of curiosity? No, (laughs) (laughs) he was the one I said, no, no, I met my husband and I actually graduated in the same class, same year in law school. No, in high school. Are you high school sweethearts? No, we were ran in very different circles. Okay. Yeah. Um, we knew of each other. Our high school wasn't that big. Needham high shout out. Um, wasn't that big. We knew of each other. And then you know, years later, we kind of reconnected. We both. Oh my, that is incredible. (laughs) And you kind of think like, whenever I would go, whenever I think about it or go to my high school reunions, I'd be like, you go through the yearbook and be like, taken, taken, gay, taken, no, taken, taken, gay, taken, no. And then I was like, oh yeah, Leo. (laughs) Forgot about that guy. What happened to him? Yeah. Ah. 
Well, that is, that's, that's a really cute story though, you know, about how you guys met and everything. I love that. Um, You've actually, you just weren't ready to start dating when you were in high school. Right, right, right. Clearly had to have some, some years in Manhattan dating whoever said yes to first. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, I love that. So how did you go from lawyer to, you know, coach? What, what made you make that pivot or trend pivot everybody drink um, that transition like that? Cause that's a big switch. Like what about law, you know, did you love or want to pursue or did you feel you had to that you were like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Um, God, the million dollar question, but I leave law. Um, I went into law school. I don't even remember why I, Oh, I think it was because I knew I wanted a higher education. I love school clearly. Um, it's like 20 years of it. Um, I knew I wanted a higher education. And when I was thinking about all my options, I was like, oh, law school, you can kind of use it anywhere and everywhere. And towards the end of law school, I realized, man, this is not for me. I do not want to be a lawyer, but mm. that's what I did. Got to finish. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm like, well, if I've already <laughs> the student that, I might as well, I as well have the degree. I want the Esquire. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I want that Esquire. Mm-hmm. Um, still got it. And then, and then I was working in Manhattan. Um, and the last job I had in Manhattan was pretty brutal. It was like, I always worked in house, but it was a pretty brutal job. Um, your typical sort of grind, um, mm-hmm. Plus, of course, the Manhattan life. So it'd be like, get out of work at, you know, nine o'clock, dinner with your friends at 9.30. So right. everything together, plus the experience that I had had in that specific company, I was like, I, I never want to look at a contract again. And I actually switched careers. Um, I went into uh, sports marketing. I went into events marketing. I went into oh, sales. Wow. Then I went back into law and then I started my business. So as a coach, so you asked, how did you go from one to the other? When, when I was the height of the pandemic, I just started a new job as an attorney. Um, I was like, let me do something stable and secure. And then the pandemic hit. (laughs) 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 Nothing, nothing was stable and secure, not even the sky. And when I got laid off from that job, as many millions of other people did, I started thinking like, what do I really want to do? What do I really really want to do? Um, And I had this pivotal conversation with a friend of mine and he was like, Esther, you know, what are you so afraid of? You've failed plenty of times in your life, which I'm like, thanks, real talk, friend. Like, (laughs) don't worry about failing again. (laughs) But it hit home because I was like, you're absolutely right. I have failed plenty of times. What's another time? Like, why not try? And the reason why coaching spoke to me was because I had had a coach several years before and I had wanted to become a coach. And I always found kind of, am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Of course. Fuck no. No. (laughs) I, I feel like I've heard you say that, but I would always come up with these bullshit excuses. Oh, I don't have enough money, experience, time, all the things. And the reason why I wanted to do coaching was because the power to be able to change your thoughts and to be able to change your life is like, if you can harness that power, you can conquer the world. Like you can do anything you want within reason. Obviously, I'm not going to go join the NBA. Um, right. But within reason, right? Like you can do whatever you want. And when that opportunity, when I realized that for myself, I was like, I, I've got to do that for other people with other people for other people. So 
that's my my uh what was it pivot drink that was yeah, my drink <laughs> a lot of like like I feel like I was in that episode of friends like pivot, pivot. Yes. they're moving <laughs> the couch totally. yeah so it was like many years of that until I found coaching until you found coaching uh you know a lot of people I think the pandemic became this like wake up call, like, okay, what, what am I doing? And clearly life is short. Um, why am I stuck in a job? I don't love, um, that's causing me grief and pain. And now I'm doing it from home, you know, like what am I doing? So bravo to you for, for the bravery to switch into coaching. I think that's really, really cool story. Um, now you've come up with our topic today, which is the three excuses, um, were, I'm curious if, were these any excuses you told yourself? Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and they came up for me. They've come up in the coaching and my friends and people with whom I speak. And now that I'm sort of quote on the other side of it, I'm like, you know, I promise you they're just excuses. <laughs> they're just BS excuses. Your brain is serving up. Why do you think our brain does that? Why does our brain give us these excuses? Yeah, it's because we're afraid and it's not that we're afraid to feel the feeling of failure of, of doing the thing. It's so much easier to not try than it is to try and fail. Um, And also it takes a lot of work. Yeah. It's like, it takes a lot of work to go after your dreams. Um, Of course that work is rewarding and we, tell ourselves, well, that work is too hard. But then what I say, what I've said to myself and what I say to my clients, when they're like, well, that work is too hard. I say, okay, give me a time that, you know, did, did you graduate from college? Well, yeah, well, okay. You had to have applied to college. You had to have done the four, three to five years, whatever your, your span is. You had to do, that's a lot of work. to find a job that that is a lot of work and yet that was a no-brainer you did it right and so that's also how changing your life and changing your thoughts are is yeah love that so what's like the number one excuse you hear when you're working with your clients I don't have enough time (laughs) yeah from everyone I don't I don't have enough time I I don't have time Mm. Wow. And do you work with men and women? Do you hear, do you hear that from both of them? I hear that mostly from, I, yes, I work with both men and women. Um, I hear it. Actually, I hear it from both. Now that you mention it, I hear it from both in different ways. Like, oh, I don't have time for that. Oh, I don't have time. Wow. And do you think that excuse is to get them um, out of doing what they really need to be doing? (laughs) Yes. Yes. I mean, ultimately an excuse is an excuse to get you out of doing the thing you want to be doing. Want to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to start doing the hard thing. Right. Yeah. 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 Because it's funny how much time you'll find when you want to go to Paris or, you know, want to go hang out with your friends. All of a sudden your schedule opens up. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the thing that I always say is, I say, well, how much time did you spend scrolling on Instagram? And unless you're an influencer or your job is a social media coordinator, for example, but I ask that, I'm like, how much time did you spend on Instagram? How much time did you spend um, eating dinner? And I know I hear, well, you know, you have to eat dinner. I'm like, "Well, well, yes, of course we need sustenance, but to actually eat the steak and mashed potatoes, 
community, you know, uh, all together probably takes like what, 10 minutes to eat something. Right. Spend the hour. I mean, there's a whole slew of examples, but the big one is social media. How much social media. Yeah, for sure. Um, it is very much a time suck. I will look at my phone right now. Wordle is my time suck. Um, but I feel like I'm learning something, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> but it is just like, Oh, let me just go through this really quick. Um, wow. And it's the thing where the reason why we do those things, the social media, um, you know, even doing nothing, even, you know, doing other things that are low hanging fruit. Like for example, oh, I'll, oh, before I start work, oh, I'll just tidy up my room real quickly. Right. Or, mm-hmm. um, and then you, you tell yourself, well, you know, Marie Kondo says that I need a clean space in order to do good work or whatever. Right. So you come up with these excuses of, well, it'll just be five minutes, just 10 minutes. And the reason why we come up with these bullshit excuses, including time or why you don't have time is because we're afraid to actually do the thing. Yeah. So fear. Yeah. Yeah. Is are most of your, the work that you do with your clients, is it a lot of it fear-based? It's two things. It's fear-based and it's self, um, I don't want to say self-worth. It's being true to yourself. Mm. Right. Right. I think, um, I know for myself, it's much easier for me to keep myself busy doing things for other people. And, and then for myself, like, you know how they always say, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. I yeah. absolutely would not do that. <laughs> I'd be like, no, no, no. I got to make sure those two have their masks because I know they're going to screw it up. <laughs> yeah. What do you think that is? Oh, because a control for me, it's complete. I, I want to have control. If we're in a situation that I don't have control, I have to take over. Or if I see it's unorganized, I have to take, it's just, that's the teacher in me. It's like, I can't have chaos. I have to organize the time or the space or whatever it is. And have you ever, I mean, I know that you, you usually do all that question asking, so you can stop me if you want. Oh, please. I'll take some free coaching. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Have you ever stopped to think about, well, what if that's just a BS excuse for not doing the thing? Like, oh, I, oh, I, I'm just someone that I need to be in control. And then your brain is like, well, see, I need to be in control. Oh, it's a hundred percent an excuse because I get no, um, when I do take control, I get no satisfaction out of it. Yeah. I, then I get annoyed. Like, see, I'm always having to be the one in charge. Right. Uh, I, I, it's a total excuse. Are you kidding? (laughs) And yeah, there are capable people that can do it. Carrie, you don't have to be the one, like, it's not like I'm performing open heart surgery. Like, Come on, let <laughs> like, me just clean up a little bit before this open heart surgery. <laughs> exactly. I just got to tidy up the room. Um, yeah. yeah, no. <laughs> um, what's a few, what's other excuses that you hear from your clients? Sure. And, and I do want to, so I also want to talk about how to overcome some of them. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the other big one is I don't have enough money. Mm. Um, that was a big one of mine. Um, I don't have enough money, uh, to do whatever, oh, to, <clears throat> you know, hire the coach to take that class that I really want to go on that vacation. I really want to leave my job and, um, pursue my business, um, a whole slew of things. Right. And of course there's a difference between, um, you know, if, if you don't have the funds in your account, 
don't go buying, you know, an Hermes bag. Right. I don't mean that. I mean, using that as an excuse to not do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you the, how to overcome that one. And I do want to go back to the time one. Cause I bet sure. people are like, how do I overcome the time one? Yeah. So the way that I have learned and teach to overcome the money one is first of all, change the way your verbiage. So instead of saying, I don't have enough money or I don't have money, that statement isn't actually true. You have money. And I know you have money because you're probably listening to this podcast on your iPhone as we speak. Mm. In your car. (laughs) In your car, um, wherever. And the thing that where you are unaware you're consuming had to have cost money unless you've gotten everything for free, including the clothes you're wearing. But normal people have money. So it's not that. So the way I change it is I choose to spend money on something else, right? Even if you're someone who is very strict and you budget, you can, by just simply changing the way you phrase it, you're already changing your mindset. So instead of saying, um, Carrie, I don't, I don't have money for, you know, like a $200,000 mastermind class, for example, for me, just by changing the phrase, I choose not to spend money on that. I choose to spend my money on X, X Y, Y. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then sort of like under that umbrella, okay, well, what do you choose to spend money on? Question mark. The next step is to think about your priorities, make a list. What are your priorities? Maybe if you're a parent, maybe your children are your priorities. Maybe your priority is that you really like that, you know, hour at Starbucks or whatever. Mm -hmm. Maybe that is a priority for you. No one's saying that don't spend $5 on Starbucks. Um, Maybe it is a priority for you to go skiing on weekends because that's your outlet. Maybe it is a priority for you to um, get coaching or uh, coach yourself or, you know, buy the book instead of investing in coaching. You get to choose what your priorities are. And when you reposition your mind and say, I choose to spend money on my priorities, then it's, you're shifting it from lack of, which I'll get to in a second, to I have enough for what I choose. Oh, wow. That's, That's really enlightening because I can't tell you how many times I've heard from other bra members. I don't have enough money. I'm not making enough money, but you're right. You clearly have money. I'm talking to you via zoom. So somebody's paying for the internet. (laughs) (laughs) So hold up girl. Um, Let's go back to the time one. People say I don't have enough time because I know I use that excuse. Yeah. So this is the exercise that I do for myself that I teach my clients to do Um, a quick caveat on this exercise. If currently, I know I I told you before we started recording, if you are a new mom, meaning, or a parent and meaning you have a newborn, please be kind on yourself. Babies are not on a schedule yet. So if you are someone who is not able to, because of something like that, have a calendar or a set schedule, be kind to yourself. So I want to caveat with that first. Um, But the way that I've seen that works for me and what I coach my clients on, first of all, know that everyone has the same 24 hours in the day. And we've heard that before. That's not enough. I Mm -hmm. also hate the, uh, well, just wake up earlier. 
uh, okay, you know, sleep is important. People, you know, like that, your mindset, even if you wake up at 4 a.m. instead of 8 a.m., you're still going to say, I don't have enough time. So what I do is I make a big list of everything that needs to get done that I want to get done. Let's put it that way, that I want to get done from, um, you know, I have had a book flights for my cousin's wedding in Michigan. True story. I did, uh, everything to, I had a schedule an appointment for my son to, I had to prep for this podcast to, you know, whatever it is, maybe if you have a full-time job and you know, you work eight to eight or whatever, right. You just make this list of everything. Then you open up your calendar and inside your calendar, you actually calendar the things you need the to do. The uh, mm-hmm. And the first few times you will do that, you will fail and that's okay. <laughs> Meaning like the first few times you'll say, oh, I can totally go grocery shopping at 8 a.m. on a Sunday, right? And then Sunday morning rolls around, <laughs> well, not me. I'm using that as an example or, you know, like, oh, I can totally sure. do that at that time. Right. Oh, that that'll only take me 10 minutes. The first few times will not, you may fail. You may notice like, oh, that took longer or that wasn't reasonable. Keep trying. And then the other point about time is that when we schedule something that is important, right before our brain will serve us bullshit excuses about why we can't, we won't, we shouldn't. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, right. As maybe I was. I was like, oh, it's so daunting to have to, you know, prep for this podcast, for example. Sure. And I scheduled it at say two o'clock on a Wednesday. I'm going to prep. I'm going to spend 20 minutes prepping. And then at 158, I'm like, you know what? Let me just quickly put away the laundry. Mm. Let me just quickly answer this one email. Right. Even though we rationalize it in our brain, we're like, but that's important too. We recognizing the BS excuses that are keeping us from doing the thing we said we were going to do. And the more you practice that, like, oh, nope, that's a BS excuse. Just do it. Nope. That's a BS excuse. The more self-integrity you will have and you will not get more time in the day unless you're Hermione and that <laughs> Harry Potter, you know, yeah. Self. Um, you won't get more time in the day. You will prioritize the things you want to do and need to do. And you won't come up with BS excuses about why you can't do it. So we'll do the thing. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Do the thing. I mean, I, for me, it's definitely time, you know, I, but I also find that if I like for this podcast, for example, I was showing up for you. So I knew I got to be on time and everything. I want to be on time. I want to honor your time. So when I, for me, it's much easier to find the time when it's for somebody else. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh, I found an hour in my calendar, yeah. you know, all you of know, a sudden. I, absolutely. I hear that so much. And you know what I say? So many of my clients say that I, they'll say, well, I didn't have time to do the homework, for example. And I'll say, <clears throat> um, imagine the CEO of, of your company. Or, you know, say if you work for yourself, maybe it was the CEO of a major other company or someone, mm-hmm. right? Imagine they call you and they say, okay, Carrie, you and I have a stand in, we have an appointment at 4 p.m. on Friday, it was Thursday, March 3rd. The CEO of your company says that. 
are you going to be on time? Probably. You're yeah. probably going to be two minutes early and yeah. you're going to be damn prepared. 100%. Right? Why not treat yourself as the CEO of your life? I call it the me-eo. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, why not treat yourself with the same respect that you would treat the CEO of your company? And when I say that, clients are like, my yeah. mom. Wow, that's that's incredible. Um, when you hear, I mean, you must hear the same excuses from multiple clients at all the time. Do they do they have their aha moment or are they kicking and screaming like, no, that's not me? <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, no. They definitely have the aha moment. And it's usually it comes when it's always I didn't have enough time to do the homework. And then it's me saying, um, I'm not going to check your homework, but let's talk about why you didn't do it. Did, did you have 10 minutes to do social? Did you have, did, did you really not have 10 minutes at all in your day? And they'll be like, no, I did. I guess so. And I'll say, why are you afraid to do it? And by posing that question, like Carrie, why are you afraid to make time to put the mask on someone else? Right. You start to understand where your thoughts are, where your fear, where your limiting belief is on that time. Like if I was a big one is my, the homework, working out. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't have time to work out. There are seasons in our lives where we really don't have time, right? Like there are times, yeah. you know it. But generally when someone says, I don't have time to work out, my question is, what are you afraid of by making the time by trying. Yeah, that is my, I was literally thinking, yeah, I need to work out. <laughs> I don't have any more excuses. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> what, um, so what is like your ideal client feeling and kind of in the throes of before they're like, I need an Esther in my life. Like what, what are they kind of like grappling with? Yeah. I love that question, Carrie. They're grappling with this feeling, and this is the feeling that I had had at one point where they're like, I know I need to change. Like, I know I'm stuck. I know I want to grow. I want to change. I don't know how, and I don't know what's getting in the way. Mm. And I don't love using the buzzword stuck. I feel like just like pivot, you should have drink, drink, carry <laughs> stuck on your podcast, but, um, but that's what it feels like when you're like, I know I'm, it's almost like you're in a glass box and you're like, I can see outside of this glass box that I'm meant for more. I don't know where the door is. Like how, I don't know how to break out of this glass box. That's a great way to describe it. Um, also because you would see your reflection. Yeah. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> God, Harry, yeah. in all of the years that I've used that metaphor, I've never heard of that. I love it. Thank you. Oh, you can use that on your next blog. <laughs> <laughs> I love And speaking of podcasts, I know you have a podcast. Let's hear a little bit about that. And what do you feature on your podcast? Yeah. So it's called Coach's Corner, a success mindset. And I interview people, uh, successful people in dis different industries on how they create and maintain a success mindset. Right. So maybe it's just because I'm someone who's always been obsessed with success. And my ultimate goal is to have Robert Kraft and meet him. So shout oh. out. Robert Kraft. Hey, Rob, you listening? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've already called and emailed all those people, not like I'm a stalker. Um, 
but the pod, because I want to know how successful people, what they're thinking, how, what makes them tick, what ticks them off? Like, what's their mindset? How do they get there? So I decided, I'm like, you know what, if I want to know this, two reasons to start a podcast. One, I'm just curious, like I want to do this for myself. Um, but then why put a podcast out to the world is because I really believe if one person can listen to my podcast, your podcast, Carrie, if one person can listen to it and gain something, change their life, change the course of their life, like I've done my job. And I'll tell you a story. Um, one of my podcast guests, I mean, this is like, you know, a, a crazy, beautiful story, but one of my podcast guests, um, this guest of mine emailed me shortly after our interview and said, um, my niece reached out to me. She, uh, she was in a bad place. She heard my podcast. We haven't spoken in a long time. We sort of don't talk anymore. Um, she heard my podcast. She heard my story and she thought if my uncle can do it, so can I. And she came back from suicidal thoughts and they reconnected and he just said, you know, I thank you. I'm like, oh, oh my wow, God. I the chills on that one. Yeah, um, that, wow. I mean, that's the same story, but I'm like, that's why I do it. That's why, you know, if one person's life can change. Why not? Yeah. And, and how is your coaching program set up? Tell, tell us a little bit more about how you work with your ideal client. Now that we figured out what they're feeling, how do you work with them? Yeah. <laughs> so one-on-one. Um, we, I usually do, I mean, if we're going to do sort of the logistics three month package, one-on-one an hour a week, um, I, I really enjoyed one-on-one. I haven't dabbled into the group, um, because I like to get to another person on the other side. Yeah. And honestly, don't you think you, I know for myself, I would be more honest if I didn't know I had an audience. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I would and be, I you don't want to compete like, well, my story is even harder than yours. <laughs> right. Right. Or like, oh, should I uh, like, yeah. <laughs> should I be about that? Should I be happy? What's I got to read the room. Um, and what I find one of the feedback points of feedback that I get from my clients, which is really special is they say how much they trust me. So to your point, Carrie, right. Like if we're in a group setting, I'm, I mean, I hope they trust me, but they might be a little too self-conscious to, really bridge that gap. Yeah. And it's called esteem coaching, right? Isn't that what your website is? I love that because it's a play on self-esteem. So I thought that was very clever. Very, very clever. Um, That's just the fire department going by. Um, They're doing it. (laughs) Yeah. They're saving lives. (laughs) They definitely aren't giving themselves any excuses. There's so much traffic. I couldn't come save you. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't have enough time. Now, um, what's, what do we want to talk about for your survey? Now you have a survey, it's called why high-performing women get all passed up on, on jobs and everything. What, tell me a little bit more why you were kind of curious. Uh, Cause to me, this was a great prompt for a survey. I was like, oh, that's a really good question. Like, why do we get passed over even though we're way overqualified? Yes. Yes. So I started noticing that women in the workforce, they're not competing at the level, not all women, just some of the women, perhaps some of the women that I work for, they're not competing at the level that they are capable of. 
And I started hearing these anecdotal stories of, oh, so-and-so was, you know, an executive and, or a director, and she was up for the next level. So the executive level and it, it, she didn't get it. Oh, I was up for this job and I didn't get it. And so I said, I want to do some market research and find out what's really going on because, and the third excuse that I hear a lot, Carrie, is I don't have enough experience. Mm. And a lot of times I've heard that from women in the workforce, like, oh, I didn't, I didn't have enough experience. And I kind of want to call BS because I'm like, of course you have enough experience. You're a director, you're an executive. Even if you're an individual contributor, you might not have experience as the next one up because you've never done that before but you have experience, right? So like, what's really going on? Um, and that's why I wanted to do the survey to see what's really going on, the thought behind the thought. Right. Women aren't getting these jobs, right? right. It's, it can't be that all of them are getting passed up for a man who, you know, that's more experienced, more senior politics, bureaucracy. Like it can't be everyone. Right. Right. Of course there are those examples, but it can't right. be everyone. It's true. And isn't there a statistic about that? Like more women won't even apply for a job because they'll look at the level of experience where more men are like, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. yeah. I remember years ago, my mentor, Keith Halbrich, who's just an angel on the face of this planet. Um, I remember years ago when I was, I think it was during law school or right after law school or somewhere around there. So he's an attorney also, like a big time attorney. And I would ask him, you know, like, what do you think of this job? What do you think of this job? Or he would send me a job. I'm like, I can't know. And I was like, look at all these things. I, I haven't done it. I can't do all of that. I haven't done all of that. And I remember he said something to me, he said, that's just a wish list from the company. That's just a wish list. Like you don't have to have everything you need to have some things and even if you don't have some of those specific things you still have something you've done in your past even if you're a stay-at-home mom for all of those listening that might be like well I've never worked in a job or you're a graduating student it doesn't matter you have done something in your past that gives you a transferable skill that equals experience yeah it's so true um a wish list. That's a great way to say it um, because it is right. How can you find the person who checks all the boxes? Anything you might have skills that you know go above and beyond what they're looking for, um, and that you didn't think would apply for the job, right? And then you get in the job, you're like, oh, well, I actually have this great <laughs> skill of organization or whatever it may be, and they didn't even look, weren't even looking for somebody who was had that skill. So um, I say, apply, ladies, apply, and ask for more money. <laughs> yes yes <laughs> right mm-hmm. um wow well I love all of this Esther this has been really it's given me a lot of thought <laughs> like I've been sitting here going yeah I've used that excuse <laughs> <laughs> yep I'm gonna go to the gym tomorrow I promise um I love that do you have any like first first let's find out where we can find you how the person listening can find you and get to know you better so they can get their shit together and start working yep <laughs> Sure. So website es-esq.com, my initials es-esq.com. You can find me on Instagram, es-esq, LinkedIn, 
my full name. I'm probably the only Esther K. Spitalnik out in the universe in all of history. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are the three best ways to find me. Amazing and amazing. Okay. So before we, we wrap it up, we have to get carried away. So yes. other than, you know, building a business during the pandemic, um, what was something that you kept yourself busy with? What did you, did you bake? Were you a knitter? What, I know you have little ones, um, but you, you probably weren't pregnant yet. So we know what else we were doing, but yeah. um, <laughs> well, I did. well, I then got pregnant. <laughs> yeah. So um, what's, what kept you busy during the pandemic? What were you obsessed with? So I am someone who anyways gets carried away puns all day, dad jokes, puns, lame jokes, not lame jokes. <laughs> I just like feed off of it. So anything it. like that, anything witty, funny, punny all day. Why is six scared of seven? Seven, eight, nine. Hey. <laughs> Check Esther and Carrie on the road. <laughs> Take our, yeah, yeah. Take so, comedy act on the <laughs> well, side. Coaching me comedy. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Oh, actually, it's funny. One of my like bucket lists is to do stand up comedy. So, oh, you should do it. Yeah. I know. Do it. Do it. I love it. I love it. Who's your favorite comedian that you're thinking of right now? Anybody? My favorite comedian. Ooh, tough. Um, okay. Well, always makes you laugh. <laughs> So stand up Dave Chappelle all day. He yeah. is funny and brilliant. I've seen him live. Oh, that's and, cool. Oh my God. Actually, it was really cool. I saw him a bunch of years ago. It was, uh, it was, I was at Bonnaroo, which is, you know, my, in my youth, I attended music festivals um, in my youth or youth. I'm still youthful. Um, yeah. And he was there. He did a huge act. It was like 80,000 people in the crowd. He was wow. awesome. That's cool. I do yeah, love so, Chappelle. Yeah. Right now, then, I'm kind of know, obsessed with Heather McMahon. She's so funny. Uh, okay. She's kind of a smaller, she's up and coming, but okay. I listen to her podcast, which is called Absolutely Not. Um, and it, she's hilarious. She, I'd say she's okay. like 32, 34-ish, uh, but she's hilarious. Okay. Um, I have to give a shout out also to Aquafina. So if you are into very lowbrow humor, I mean like but you want to laugh out loud funny. Nora from Queens. Love is, that show. Oh my God. It's my so husband. funny. <laughs> That's maybe what I've gotten carried away during COVID. I was like, can you give me more of this, please? Yeah. I don't know if they're doing another season. What, did, what is that on HBO? What did I watch that on? I watched. Oh no, of- Comedy Central. Oh, I was okay. like on Netflix, but no, or on Comedy Central, but through, through Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. funny. Aquafina is so funny. And she's, she was a guest on another podcast I listened to called Smartless with uh, Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and um, Sean Hayes. And they are so, so funny. So if you want some lowbrow humor, listen to Smartless. <laughs> hey guys, okay. I'd be happy to be a guest on the show. Just saying. But Aquafina does do an episode and it's pretty okay. good because she okay. talks about how she started out and everything. And excuses she gave herself of why she couldn't be a comedian and everything so fascinating okay cool thanks really good so I gave you homework um and and of course my last question is always um what's something like two or three things that people get totally obsessed about get totally carried away about that you can't stand at all oreos I don't get them they're like I mean I know you're not a big fan of chocolate Carrie, but like that's not even real chocolate 
Like no. I don't get the Oreo thing. <laughs> like, no, I don't so Oreos, the office, not funny to me. And then for all of you, I don't know if you know who Delilah is. Delilah. Oh yeah. Oh my she I got okay. As a businesswoman, she's rocking it. Like she's doing great for herself. And sorry if you're listening. But like whenever people call in and they're like, yeah, um, I'm going through this, 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 and this. Can you play whatever song you want? It'll she'll pick the worst song. <laughs> it'll be, she drives me nuts. It'll be like, it'll be like a song you've never heard that sucks. And you're like, right. no, I was kind of hoping for like my heart will go on, or I don't know, like, like some Adele, something. Something. <laughs> something the Jonas Brothers I don't know it's just the worst song so anyways, those are my three and I'm sticking oh, to them I like it I like it those were great I can say that none of my guests have ever mentioned Oreos Delilah what was the second one I already forgot the office the, the office. show yeah English and the American version you don't like either just the American version I haven't even watched the English version although the, the Brits are probably in my opinion funnier than Americans British yeah. humor is really funny they almost copied it identical, like the scripts and everything are oh, episodes. Okay. It's almost like, but I can say the actors are very different and how they deliver okay. the humor and everything. I actually had to watch it with subtitles because they would speak so fast and their accents were so thick. And I'd be like, <laughs> what are they saying? <laughs> no, I then no, no yeah, to the English, no, no, no to the American. No, no to the office. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Steve Carell. Not again, not Sorry. today. It's not yeah. your day. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Esther. This has been really great. Thank you for getting carried away with me. As always, everyone go find Esther. Um, we're going to put all of her contact information in the show notes. Um, but if you're driving right now, please park and then click on her link. Um, and yeah, thanks so much. I enjoyed having I, you. Thank you. And I wanted to thank you, Carrie, um, not just for having me on as a guest, but for the work that you do. I think that um, the guests that you have on your podcast all have something different to share. And if one person can hear that and they can change, um, but then also your work that you do with Bra Network, right? Like how awesome is it that you decided, you made that choice and you decided to do something for other women and thus for yourself. So um, thank you for the work that you do. Oh, thank you for recognizing that. Um, I don't have any excuses to say why it's <laughs> fabulous because it is. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. <laughs>